The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Hokie Nation, it is officially, unofficially basketball season. We are about two and a half weeks out, I think, from uh, the first game with the men and the women doubleheader in Castle Coliseum. So uh, I'm back with Mike McDaniel for, what is this, year four now, I think, of Hokie Hoops podcast? Year four, man. Uh, yeah, year four already. Yeah. We've we've come through some uh, some highs and some lows, both on the men's side and the women's side. They're the duration of our uh, podcasting time together, but we're excited for this year. Um, we're going to do a lot of content on both sides, uh, men and women, uh, all throughout the year long, covering both teams. Um, but first, we kind of just figured the, the logical way to start out this uh, season and this podcast would be to recap last year on both the men and the women's side and then kind of just dig into the offseason. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're just going to go through the last how the years ended for both programs and then what took place in the offseason. And then, you know, in the next couple of weeks leading up to the first game, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll preview the entire year, but Mike, it was an interesting off season. Um, you know, some new faces, some guys who played a lot of basketball at Virginia Tech no longer here. Um, but you know, go ahead and dive into the men's recap and how the season ended last year. All right, so definitely not how we envisioned that season going, right? Uh, injuries, guys missing a lot of time, lack of backcourt depth. A lot of issues plagued the men's team last year, right? Uh, what ended up happening is Hokies went 19 and 15 on the year, eight and 12 in conference play, never really threatened for an NCAA tournament berth. I know there was, uh, you know, unlike a couple of years ago where the Hokies had a really strong month of February, I guess mid middle of January through February, there were a couple of signs, like a couple of decent wins in there. Uh, but really there was no consistent stretch of really good basketball in conference play last year. Hokies end up eight and twelve in ACC play. Uh, obviously, that's not going to get the job done in terms of, of getting to an NCAA tournament. Uh, year ends right with the twenty point loss in the ACC tournament to NC State, and then the Hokies, of course, lost in the NIT to Cincinnati as well um, in the opening round of that tournament. So, I don't think anybody going into last season with what Virginia Tech had returning and kind of what the Hokies were adding anticipated that you know, Tech would only end up in the NIT and then would end up just losing after one game. Obviously, probably the most disappointing year that Mike Young has had in Blacksburg in terms of expectations, not necessarily meeting reality on the floor. Uh, so this sets up for a really important year five, I think, for him and for his coaching staff. Uh, I think this is one of those years where Virginia Tech has a pretty good roster returning, right, in terms of guys with good experience and guys that gained valuable experience last year a number of transfers that are going to get significant playing time that we're going to hear a lot about as well. Uh, and it sets up for a really interesting year because I think the Hokies are flying under the radar a bit, right? I don't think expectations are quite as high going into this year from the national media as maybe they were a year ago. 
when Virginia Tech was coming off of an NCAA tournament appearance. But uh, now I think the Hokies have a roster that's deep that can withstand maybe some of the injuries that they weren't able to withstand a year ago and gives the Hokies a chance to be really competitive, even if, you know, they're battling injuries or guys missing time. I, I think the roster is definitely in a better situation in terms of number of guys who can play. Now it's just going to be a matter of, okay, can these guys step up, you know, can some of the transfers step up in, in big minutes and big moments in, in ACC play for the first time and can guys take the next step, right? Can Sean Padula take the next step maybe with, you know, Mike Young called it gross overuse, right? On the tech sideline podcast, he talked about how uh, Padula should have sued him for overuse last year uh, because he was just really in a spot where he couldn't take Padula off the floor. Uh, reminded me a lot of the situation James Johnson was in when he was in Blacksburg with Devin Wilson. Really couldn't take Devin Wilson off the floor. Uh, back when Tech was really only winning like nine or 10 games a year, Devin Wilson was basically the only guy who could play in the backcourt for Virginia Tech. So, it's going to be an interesting year, obviously disappointing year last year. Defense, a major issue, right, all year long. I think a lot of that can be fixed with just better depth. I think we're going to see that this year. Um, and, and I would expect the Hoagies to take a step forward defensively and then still be a, a real potent offensive team. So I think it sets up for a pretty good year for the Hokies on paper, even though they might be flying under the radar a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about the roster in a second, and we'll probably dig more into, you know, some of those issues from last year and how they uh, might be able to be fixed this year with the new roster, maybe on next week's episode. But uh, the two main things that jumped off the page when I kind of in hindsight, looked back at the season, it's kind of hard to think about it when you're, when you're in the season, but you know, a few months removed now, obviously gearing up for a new year. And I went back and looked at last year and the biggest issues by far were defense and depth. And I think both of those things will be fixed this year. And a lot of those issues kind of snowball and go hand in hand with one another. Right. So, you know, you lose Darius Maddox, Hunter Couture goes down with injury, Rodney Rice, you're missing, missed pretty much the entire of his freshman year. Um, those three guys injuries at various different times, put a lot of stress on Sean Padula to run the offense. Well, if you have all that stress to run the offense on one end, you're going to be really tired and have a hard time playing defense on the other end. So I think a lot of the issues kind of went hand in hand and created a snowball effect. Um, and in hindsight, honestly, it's somewhat impressive that they were able to go 19 and 15 and almost win 20 games with really only one point guard throughout the year. Um, a large part of that was due to the play of Justin Mutz and Grant Basile, two guys who are no longer here. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute, but uh, I, I really do think defense and depth were the two biggest issues last year. And you've heard coach young talk about it. Uh, every time he's had a microphone in his face leading up to the season so far, how much emphasis they put on defense and how playable this roster is, you know, top to bottom in terms of depth and guys who, who can contribute it in the ACC. So I think both issues were addressed very well in the offseason, time will tell. But overall, just a really frustrating year. Uh, Coach Young said it on the Tech Sideline podcast that you just mentioned, Mike. Um, he felt like he had a tournament team last year. And I think if that team had been even remotely close to full strength for the majority of the year, he probably did have a tournament team in Blacksburg last year. Um, I mean, if you look at the like, look at their record, even if they somehow went 10 and 10 in ACC play and you're sitting at 21 wins, uh, you might have a shot to get in at that point. So it was there was a lot of really close games uh, where you know more depth and maybe better defense win you those games and you know there was a lot of frustration I think from fans you know well you shouldn't be in a position where you only have one point guard well you can't really foresee three guards going down throughout the year um, 
you know, three of your top four guards going down throughout the year for various issues across the board. So it was hard to pin that one on the staff, in my opinion. Um, I thought the roster was a tournament roster. Coach Young thought so too, and it just didn't play out that way. And sometimes that happens, but I think they're poised for a really good bounce back year in Blacksburg this year. Yeah, I mean, the thing about, you know, okay, well, you should have had more than one point guard on the roster. <laughs> like, there aren't many teams in the country that can withstand the backcourt injuries that Virginia Tech had, right? Like, I, there are very few that, you know, could have the injuries that Virginia Tech had in the backcourt and then still have guys who are top-rated recruits that can, like, step right in, play right away, and be good right away. Very few teams in the country could do that. Um, a couple of them are probably in the ACC, right? But they're not Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech found themselves in a situation that a lot of teams would find themselves in if you had the injuries like that, right? So I think you chalk some of this up to really bad luck. I think you chop it up, uh, you know, you chop it up to the fact that Sean Padula, who, by the way, was thrust into a much bigger role as a sophomore than he has a freshman, played a lot his freshman year, right? Um, but he wasn't the starter for the entire year wasn't in the starting lineup. He was in the rotation, certainly, but wasn't a guy expected to just like step right in and play the minutes that he had to play last year, right. As a, as a freshman. So he steps in this new role last year and then it becomes an even bigger role than anybody anticipated because of the injuries. And we were critical of Padula on this podcast for his turnovers and his defensive issues. And then as the year went on, you and I kind of took a step back and we were like, well, wait a minute. Look what he's being asked to do. You know, yeah. he's playing he's exhausting. <laughs> 30, he's playing 35, 36, 37 minutes a night in ACC play in his role as really a first-time starter, right, on a full-time basis. It's a lot to ask of him just from a development standpoint. He had to grow up really quick. Now, it wasn't the best position to be in last year, but I think it, it puts him in position this year to be in a spot where he's going to, you know, he's seen a but he's played a lot of ACC basketball now, right? Uh, between freshman year and what he had to do last year in conference play. And I think it puts him in position this year to be really successful um, in terms of being comfortable with Mike Young's scheme offensively and what he wants to do, being more comfortable on the defensive end. And then with Virginia Tech's guard depth this year, you know, being in a position where he doesn't need to play 36, 37 minutes a night, he can be more effective in the minutes he's in. So, you know, if Padula struggles with turnovers and struggles with defense again in less minutes, then I think it's probably a more fair discussion to have, right? The discussions we were having at points last year, it's more fair to maybe point the finger at him if he's not performing well at that point in time. But I think he's going to be in a much better position this year to succeed just based on, you know, pure roster depth and the injuries last year that Tech's dealing, that Tech was dealing with and how the roster this year I think is better equipped, you know, to handle situations like that that a season could inevitably throw at you. Yeah, I think, you know, there's Sean Padula, who obviously played a significant role as a true freshman. Um, and then last year, that role was increased mightily. And then there's also MJ Collins, kind of the two guys who were, you know, baptized by fire by necessity, right? You, you needed bodies. MJ Collins played a lot of high leverage minutes as a true freshman. And I think that'll aid in his development, just like it'll aid in Sean Padula's development as we head into this year, their true junior and true sophomore years. But enough with last year. It was a frustrating year that I think the ceiling was higher, but um, you know, a lot of unforeseen issues there. Um, one other point I did want to talk about with the, you know, the roster from last year actually is, you know, Coach Young has said it, you know, they went into last year thinking that they had two and a half point guards and Couture being the half and Rice being the, the backup 
both those guys have been significant, significant time. So uh, I think most programs in the country probably have that thought process when they head into a season. We have a primary ball hunter, we have a secondary guy, and then we have an emergency guy. Uh, we lost our secondary and our emergency guy, and that put Sean Padula in a really uh, unfortunate circumstance. So with that, we will move on to the women's team's recap from last year. Now, we it might seem like we gloss over this, and it's not out of disrespect, but I just feel like it's been talked about a lot, especially on the Sons of Saturday channel and all Hokie sports channels. But last year was incredible. Um, it was awesome to kind of have a front seat view at all of everything that went, you know, took place on the women's side. 31 and 5, 14 and 4 in conference, ACC champs with that 75 67 win over Louisville. Uh, I was watching that game at Bronson Beer Hall in, uh, in Boston and Arlington with a bunch of people. It was super fun. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. That was an awesome time. Uh, number one seed in Blacksburg got to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I went to one of those games. The environment was amazing. Uh, as good of a basketball environment as I've ever seen in Blacksburg. And the buzz on campus even rivaled that of a football game. It was a really, really cool day to be in Blacksburg when the women's team got to host that NCAA tournament game. Super weird that they wouldn't let us play under Sandman, though. I mean, I kind of get it. It's an NCAA event. It's not a Virginia Tech event. But it was kind of a weird thing, even though the fans took it upon themselves to sing the song uh, pre-tip. Then they went on to go to the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight and beat Tennessee and Ohio State to get to that Final Four with the eventual loss to the national champ LSU in the final four, 79, 72, a couple quick highlights. Everybody knows the Queens of Castle. They need no introduction. Liz Kitley, back-to-back -back ACC player of the year. She comes back this year for her fifth year, looking to make it back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back player of the year, which would be an amazing accomplishment. And then Georgia Amor just kind of burst onto the scene last year on a national level. You know, we obviously all knew about her in Blacksburg as her career has progressed, but from a national scale, um, jumped onto the scene, MVP of the ACC tournament, Seattle region, most outstanding player among numerous other accolades that I don't feel like rattling off. And I don't think Georgia will mind if I skip a few. Um, but it was an amazing year for the women's team. Having Liz, Georgia, and Kayla King all come back this year, you know, three core pillars of the program. Um, it, it was a, just an amazing year last year and looking to build on it heading into this season. I mean, really important for those three players to come back to, right? Uh, King, Kitley, Amor returning on a team that's losing two starters in Keanu Trailer and Taylor Soul, right, to WNBA draft. Really important to have all three of those players return. Uh, it's a situation that, that puts Virginia Tech inside the AP top 10, right, on the women's side to start the season. And they're the highest ranked ACC team in that poll. They're going to be very good, right? Um, anytime you return three core rotational players, including an ACC back-to-back -back ACC player of the year and an all-American type point guard in Georgia Amore. This is a recipe for being ranked really high and having expectations really high. Kenny Brooks wouldn't have it any other way. Bringing a bunch of transfers, which we'll get into here in a few minutes and another really good recruiting class. So Kenny Brooks has this thing rolling in Blacksburg. Uh, the only way to really top a final four appearance is to just go to an Addy and try to win the whole thing. So expectations are sky high going into this year. Uh, obviously on the women's side, being able to replicate anything like a year ago would be just an accomplishment in and of itself, right? To, to go to back-to-back -back Final Fours would be monumental from a program standpoint. Forget one. If you go to two and two in a row for that matter, it's a gigantic deal. Uh, but I, I think what's going to be really important is kind of resetting expectations, right, for this women's team going into the year. Yes, expectations are high on national level because of who they have returning and rightfully so. 
expectations really high because of how Kenny Brooks has built the roster, the transfers he's brought in um, to kind of supplement the two losses in trailer and soul. But at the same time, like also understanding that last year was a really special season and going to a final four is a really, really hard thing to do. Right. So, you know, if the women's on the women's side, they were, you know, to not make a final four. Sure. The, the coaching staff, the team might see it as a failure and falling short of goals. But if they were to make another deep run, get into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament again, anything on top of it, once again, is a cherry on top, right? This is a really good team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's just really hard to get to a final four. So I just want to level set with the fan base, how special of a year last year was this team can absolutely do it again. Uh, but it'll be hard to do. They acknowledge that they know what it takes though, too. And I think that's a benefit, obviously having a bunch of veterans returning and now a coaching staff, it's, it's, you know, all the better for it, you know, facing off against a national championship level team uh, in LSU in the final four and knowing kind of what it takes to make that next step. I think it's really important as well. Yeah. Last year was so fun. The banner is going to look so sick in castle. I mean, that final four banner is going to look yeah. so sick. Um, one of my favorite Virginia tech teams I've ever watched last year, the women's team was so much fun. And uh, I look forward to this year. I know I won't miss a single game this year. I'll watch every single game they play. Um, there must see TV and I look forward to this year. So with last year behind us, let's move towards kind of the off season. Um, so we'll bounce back to the men's side really quick here. Yeah. So some just notable losses in terms of roster management and roster construction. So Justin Mutz, obviously no longer in Blacksburg. Um, that guy played a lot of college basketball, um, Virginia tech fans. Oh, that guy a lot. You know, he did a lot of really cool things in Blacksburg and, was was the epitome of a hokey and embraced it to the fullest uh i'll miss his energy you know pre-game doing the let's go hokies chance out there on the court that guy was the man um wishing him all the success as he starts his professional career overseas darius maddox left via the transfer portal kind of an unfortunate circumstance with him last year just missing time due so due to some non-injury related stuff um and then go ahead and jumping in the portal and transferring so that was a big loss, and it's sad to see Darius go, um, a guy who, you know, forever in Virginia Tech lore with that shot in the ACC tournament to keep that run going, which led to the ACC title. So shout out to Darius Maddox, going to miss seeing him in Blacksburg. And then Grant Basile, um, his one year in Blacksburg was a resounding success. That dude was a baller for the Hokies last year, and he has also gone on to start his professional career overseas as well. So congratulations and farewell to those three. But with those three leaving, we were able to bring in some guys via the transfer portal who we're all really excited about. Uh, Tyler Nickel, a guy from the from Virginia who went and did his freshman year at North Carolina, um, hopped in the portal and came back to Blacksburg. You know, that was a really close recruitment the first time. Uh, it came down to Virginia Tech in North Carolina. He opted to go to UNC for a year and then kind of came on back home to Blacksburg. Um, I'll be interviewing him actually later this week, so look for that on your feeds as well. Um, so Tyler's a guy I'm really excited about all time scoring leader in Virginia high school basketball. Uh, he can just kind of fill it up in all sorts of ways. I think he's like six, 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 seven, maybe even six, eight, uh, kind of a natural small forward who can shoot it from deep, get in the middle, um, mid range game is really solid and then finish around the rim. So just a really, really good scorer who I'm sure Mike Young is going to have a lot of fun with on the offensive side. Makai Long comes in from ODU. Um, kind of just a gritty rebounding specialist. I think a guy who will bring a veteran presence. Uh, this is his fifth year of college basketball. Uh, so really good rebounding, which I know is an emphasis for the staff. 
in the offseason, getting better on the glass. So you bring in a guy like Mikai Long, who's known for that. Uh, he'll also be a huge help defensively down on the interior to go along with Robbie Baran coming in from Northwestern, who I interviewed back in the offseason. Uh, I'll go ahead and tag that interview or bump that interview up on people's feeds so you can get to know Robbie a little bit. But uh, play a lot, a lot of basketball for Northwestern in a really, really good conference. I saw him play actually um, at Maryland last year when Northwestern came to College Park. Uh, really good player, great defensively. Again, another veteran leader who will help uh, kind of police things on the defensive side of the floor and help elevate Virginia Tech on defense. And then uh, a couple of freshmen that came in, Brandon Recksteiner, point guard with unlimited range. That dude can shoot it um, from way, way out there. It's probably a challenge for the coaching staff to, you know, rein him in and define what a good shot is for him because his range is limitless. And Jaden Young, a combo guard who can shoot it from deep, score on the inside. Uh, two really highly skilled freshman guards who I know the staff is very pleased with so far through, you know, first handful of practices of their college career. So lost some talent, lost some veteran leadership, but then brought in more talent and some more veteran leadership. So hopefully things even out and the roster finds itself in a really healthy place. And then obviously you need to note that Mike Jones, the coach, left to go to Maryland. So he heads back home to kind of his stomping grounds in the DNV. He's on staff with Kevin Willard in College Park now. Uh, so Mike Young went out and hired J.D. Byers from the Mike Rhodes coaching tree. Spent a lot of time at VCU and then most recently Penn State. He comes into Blacksburg, kind of known as a guard development specialist. And I know he's taken a huge role on the defensive side of the ball as well. So look forward to watching our guard play this year under the tutelage of Coach Byers. Yeah, so we're going to learn a lot pretty quickly about some of these additions, right? Obviously, a lot of scoring punch here. Tyler Nickel coming in from UNC. No, he could fill it up in high school. Uh, him coming in, I think, is really significant. A guy that the Hokies really pushed after on the recruiting trail. Uh, when he was still in high school, lost out to UNC. But ultimately, Mike Young gets the final laugh there as he ends up in Blacksburg anyway. Uh, Mikhail Long and Robbie Barron. So you talk about two guys who are going to have to add uh, pretty quickly to the front court depth and potentially a much bigger role than that, obviously. Uh, they're going to be in the rotation as starters or otherwise. Uh, Brandon Recksteiner, Jaden Young, two really young guys, obviously coming in as freshmen who could really score. We'll see what their role is going to be. I think off the bat, it's pretty fair to expect that there'll be some depth options for Virginia Tech, right? Um, now, will they crack the rotation? It, it's really going to depend upon how some of these transfers and how these you know other guys start to develop. Somebody's still got to fill that Darius Maddox role, right? And whether that's Rodney Rice coming in in a much bigger role, obviously, this year, or somebody else, like that role still needs to be filled, right? MJ Collins is going to have a significant role once again. Been really working on a shot in the offseason, Mike Young mentioned. And one thing that Mike Young said that I thought was interesting is that MJ is going to have to fulfill a much bigger role on the defensive end this year. He's hoping that MJ Collins can kind of be stuck on the opponent's best player, right? So that Hunter Katora can kind of be roaming, you know, guarding the second best offensive player on the other team. That's in an ideal situation. That's how the Hokies would roll things out defensively. So, you know, can some of these young guys crack the rotation? Are they going to defend well enough to crack the rotation? I think it's going to be something to monitor. You mentioned that Mike Young's put a real emphasis on defense. He said he's watched more practice film than maybe he ever has trying to get the defensive side of the ball right. You mentioned the J.D. Byers edition on the coaching staff, and he's really just been honing in on the defense. Uh, with his addition, I think it's pretty significant. 
coming off of Mike Rhodes tree. Mike Rhodes teams are known for playing pretty good defense. So getting him in the building, I think is really important. I think it's a good replacement for Mike Jones, um, who unfortunately, you know, you'd rather have Mike Jones than not from a recruiting standpoint in the DMV and what he brings to the table as an assistant coach. He's been around um, and, and losing him is obviously significant, but I think bringing in JD Byers, I think is a really important addition. So We'll see. Um, there are some questions as far as how the Hokies are going to replace Justin Mutz and his defense and everything he brought to the table from a veteran leadership standpoint. But I do think there are guys in the building from a transfer standpoint and who the Hokies have already on the roster. Right. We think of, you know, Lynn Kidd, you know, is he going to have a much bigger role this year? Um, Elijah Petit, you know, what's his role going to look like as well in the rotation in the front court? There are some questions left to answer, certainly. Um, but I think the Hokies definitely boast the depth. And I think speaking to this, and I didn't even mention Patrick Wessler, right, which tells you everything you need to know about the depth in the, in the front court. Um, I do expect Wessler to play some this year as well. So it's a deep team. Deepest Mike Young has had in Blacksburg, even with, you know, some of the losses to the transfer portal and graduation. It'll be interesting to see how um, the Hokies kind of stack up, how they roll their roster out um, the first game here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and you. We also didn't even mention John Camden, who yeah, uh, yeah you know, right. Staff has mentioned in interviews has had a really good off season and gotten a lot bigger and stronger and better. Um, actually, right before we clicked record, the the team put out a couple clips, and one of them was a putback dunk by John Camden. So there's a lot of guys on this team who can play um, and will play. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how the you know I always anticipate teams early in the year. The rotation starts out really big and then it just it kind of it fine tunes itself as you get into conference play. It'll be interesting to see kind of who grabs a hold of some of those roles uh, in terms of the freshmen. You talked about, you know, how their ability to crack the rotation. I do think the path is a little bit cleaner for Brandon Recksteiner to crack the rotation and play a few minutes just because of the nature of the point guard position versus the, you know, kind of the two position uh, and who's on the roster. You know, in terms of true point guards, you have. Sean Padula, Rodney Rice can play point guard. Hunter Couture, you'd prefer him not to, right, if you don't have to. So Brandon's got only got a couple guys ahead of him who he can fight with minutes for, maybe grab a few minutes here and there, uh, give Rodney and Sean a break and play a little bit of point guard if he's gotten to where he needs to be. Uh, whereas Jaden Young's battling with, you know, again, Rodney Rice kind of as a two guard, MJ Collins on the wing, Hunter Couture, um, Tyler Nickel probably played three, so that doesn't really impact Jaden as much. But the path's a little bit cleaner for Brandon to get minutes as a true freshman. But again, I mean, there's so much depth at the guard and wing position that, you know, you might not need either of them to play. And that would be right. a lot because that means that nobody's hurt and everybody's playing, which would be a welcome, welcome sight in Blacksburg after how last year went. Hey, guys, this is Ali Jennings, the third wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford. Or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. So, that's enough of the men's side offseason. Let's flip over to the women. So, obviously, after that historic year, um, when you're really good and you're beating really good people, it means you have really good people. So the Hokies lost Kayana Trailer and Taylor Soul from their starting rotation, both of whom got drafted in the WNBA, which is awesome for Coach Brooks and the Virginia Tech program to see that happen. Um, so you lose Kayana Trailer, you lose Taylor Soul, you lose a couple other 
pieces to graduation. Uh, Taylor Guyman graduated. Um, Deja Gregg graduated. So among a few others. So there was a lot of roster movement this year for the women's team. Uh, they had to replace a lot, but fortunately they were able to retain a lot as well. Liz Kitley coming back, obviously huge. Georgia Amor going into her senior year. Kayla King coming back for her fifth year. Uh, Carly Wenzel coming off of her red shirt year. So those are the kind of the main four that came back. And then the staff hit the portal, right? As as is this day and age. Uh, Matilda Eck coming from Michigan State can absolutely shoot it. Um, that'll really help spread the floor for Georgia and Liz to have Kayla and Matilda on either side knocking down threes. Uh, Rose Michelle coming from uh, Minnesota. Kind of the perception there is that she'll play the four, um, replace a little bit of what Taylor Soul was able to bring to the table um, in terms of rebounding and aggressiveness and physicality. So I'm really excited to see how she continues to grow into her role in the Kenny Brooks system and, and get better. She had some success in the Big Ten at Minnesota. So that was a great pickup out of the portal. And then Olivia Sumiel, I think is how you say her last name, uh, coming from Wake Forest. You know, I think she's a fifth year, I believe. So played a lot of basketball in the conference, familiar with all the opponents that will obviously be playing. Hat probably has some good familiarity with Virginia Tech and what we're trying to do as well, just from playing against the Hokies so many times. So uh, some more veteran leadership coming from the portal there, uh, along with a top 15 recruiting class, four top 100 players coming into Blacksburg as true freshmen this year. Um, it, it's It's a... It's an embarrassment of riches, and it's what you want to do, right? When you have success on the floor, you want to turn that around and have success off the floor in terms of recruiting and you know parlay one into the other. So Coach Brooks and his staff were able to land a phenomenal recruiting class. Uh, like I said, top 15 in the country. One of two programs to land four top 100 players. Um, so it was a great, great offseason for the women's side, and you know it'll probably take some time right, for these portal players to come in and mesh with the vets in Georgia, Kayla and Liz, who obviously know Coach Brooks and what he's trying to do, like the back of their hand. So they'll be able to guide the transfer players and maybe even some of the freshmen along to get them up to speed in a place where the number eight team in the country and the Hokies needs to be. Hopefully it's as seamless with these transfers as it was for Kayla Trailer last year, right? Coming in from Purdue. Hopefully it's as seamless as that because she came in, played really well. Didn't seem like the Virginia Tech offense missed a beat. In fact, it seemed like the offense really gained something when Trailer was in the lineup. So you kind of hope it's a similar transition. Obviously, every transfer situation is different, but Virginia Tech, I think the additions they made in the portal made sense uh, with Ekimit Show specifically, adding two players from the Big Ten who have had success at both of their previous stops. Olivia Sumiel, of course, from uh, Wake Forest in the ACC. You mentioned the familiarity with not only the opponents, but also Virginia Tech. I think that's only going to help as well. So I think there are three transfer portal additions that made a lot of sense. I think they fill obvious needs on the Virginia Tech roster. You supplement with another strong recruiting class, something that Kenny Brooks has been able to do ever since he's been in Blacksburg. He's recruited well. He's gotten good players into the program. And it becomes a little bit easier to recruit as well when you're taking a team to a Final Four, right? And taking multiple NCAA tournament appearances, you build recruiting off of that, and obviously it's paying dividends for Brooks and his staff. So we'll have to see that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how Coach Brooks uh, kind of stacks and prioritizes minutes early in the year, too, in the non-conference play. Uh, I know, you know, when they were over in Europe, Georgia, Liz, Kayla, they didn't play much at, or at all. Um, he's trying to, you know, they've had a, they've played a lot of basketball, especially, you know, how last year ended. You know, when you go deep into the postseason, those minutes add up quickly, and I would think he would probably try to use some time early in the season to 
um, get some minutes under under some people's belts who may need it. Um, you know, I think of uh, backup point guard position, right? Carly Wenzel, Mackenzie Nelson, the true freshman. Um, you know, somebody's got to give Georgia a break here and there. Uh, she, she can't play 40 a night. So, yeah, is it going to be Mackenzie Nelson or is it going to be Carly Wenzel? Who's going to be that secondary point guard? I think we'll find out throughout the early part of the schedule. Although the early part of the schedule is really hard because you have Iowa, you know, second game of the year. Um, but at a certain point, you need to find a way to uh, get some of the young people involved so that they can help spell the vets as the year progresses because it's a long season. Uh, I think of Claire Strack, another true freshman coming in, uh, finding ways to get her involved and get her comfortable so that she can help spell Liz as the season progresses. So it'll be interesting to see how the year starts. Uh, obviously, you know, you hit the ground running with that Iowa game, but then you have some more traditional non-conference games right there after it. Uh, that Iowa game is going to be phenomenal down in Charlotte. I fully intend to be there. Um, number eight, Virginia Tech versus, I believe, number three, Iowa in the preseason. Yeah. People. So yeah. amazing game. Uh, we'll preview the schedule more next week. I don't want to give away too much. Obviously, everyone can look it up. But uh, the Hokies currently have number three games against number three and number one on the schedule. So it's going to be a tough, tough out-of-conference schedule followed by a really tough ACC schedule. And I think Virginia Tech is going to need to find a way to um, build some depth in the early part of the schedule. Yeah, no, there's no no doubt about it. Um, once you get past that Iowa game, especially you mentioned, it's it's a prime time game from the jump, right? Uh, one of those big neutral site games we see on the men's side all the time. You're getting it on the women's side here with two top ten teams. It's going to get a lot of national uh, national publicity for obvious reasons, but kind of settling in after that. I almost think that some of those games that come after that Iowa game. It's going to be more important to kind of figure out what you have and who's playable. And you always get the big game off the bat, Ed, but you're going to learn a lot more about what this team is going to be and how this roster is going to look throughout the non-conference schedule. Yeah, but now that I'm looking at it, there's really not a break. Like they go Iowa and then they've got Houston Christian, UNC Greensboro, but then they go down to the Cayman Islands for the Thanksgiving tournament and they play Kansas and Tulane. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they go to Baton Rouge to play LSU, the defending national champs. And then they come back to Blacksburg for a couple before going up to Piscataway and playing Rutgers. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule, but that's what you want. You know, you know, you already have the target on your back coming off of the final four. Um, Coach Brooks talked a lot about how he thought the impact of last year's Tennessee game in Tennessee in the non-conference helped build this team for success later in the year, playing a program of that caliber early in the year and kind of, you know, hitting the ground running. And they really are doing that this year with this, uh, this out of conference schedule. It's a gauntlet, but it'll be really fun to watch and provide for some really good basketball for Virginia tech fans to watch. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And I would just implore fans to be patient here because Virginia tech is replacing some key pieces here. So, you know, if that Iowa game or the LSU game, one or both or neither, right. Go, go according to plan. I would just, you know, just stay stay patient, right? The games in in October, I guess November. The games in November and December don't matter nearly as much as the games in January, February, and then obviously into March. So uh, just be patient as Tech finds, you know, ways to integrate some of these new pieces with some of their existing stars, right? And it could look really good from the jump. They could also look like a team that that needs some time to develop some chemistry together obviously losing a couple of really important pieces off last year's team. So it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, you think about Iowa, obviously Caitlin Clark, probably, you know, the general consensus best player in the country. She just had a triple double in a game where 50,000 people were watching her play in a football stadium. 
right. who's right. out of control. And then you go into Baton Rouge and you have Angel Reese and Haley Van Lith and you know everything that, that Coach Mulkey has going on down there. So they're going to play some really good teams and some really good players right away. But like we've talked about, Virginia Tech is one of those teams as well with Georgia and Liz and Coach Brooks and everything they've accomplished. You know, we have yeah, LSU has their Angel Reese and Haley Van Lith, and we've got our Liz Kitley and Georgia A. Moore, and we'll take that matchup every time. So yep. it's going to be a really fun out-of-conference schedule. Uh, I, look, I look forward to seeing how some of these highly touted freshmen mix into the potential rotation along with the transfers. But uh, I'm ready for basketball to start. This was a fun recap podcast. Uh, we'll get back on next week and dig more into – you know, projected starting lineups and conference schedules and all that kind of stuff. But for now, I think this was a nice little uh, appetizer as we head into the bye week for football and uh, get ready for the season here in a, a few short weeks. More hoops pods to come. Go Hokies. to wander tripping in the sand we smoke out windows drink till we can't stand but i saw you dance like you want to in my head and all she said is oh i know it's what you're thinking please don't go to slice again trash my friend's place wake up the next day Take a hit.